Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Haunted Lake, a spooky hotel room, and an entire cursed town. Welcome back to Avery After Dark. I'm your host, Avery Ross. Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. We have three ghost stories, three hauntings coming up. You all always ask me for more ghost stories, so I'm giving them to you. Before we get started, make sure you're following this podcast. Subscribe to the Avery After Dark YouTube channel. I post tons of videos on there. And if you want all these episodes ad-free, join the Patreon. Linking that in the show notes. It is Thanksgiving week. I hope all of you have some fun plans for the holiday. And I'm here to let you know, if at any point during the week, you need a break from the turkey, a pause from the family time, you know I am always here for you. Turn on Avery After Dark and we will escape for a bit. Now let's get into today's first story, shall we? A secret love affair turned murderous, and now a restless spirit haunts the waters of one of America's most beautiful locations. The Adirondack Mountains in northeastern New York have been a favorite vacation spot for many for years, and the old Covewood Lodge is one of the most legendary spots that sits on the shores of Big Moose Lake. Covewood is nestled among balsam firs, spruce, and cedar trees, and the area is known for its beauty and also its resident ghost. The spirit of Grace Brown, a beautiful woman whose brutal murder in the area decades ago shocked the nation. To understand this haunting, we have to go way back. Grace Brown was a 19-year-old woman who worked at a skirt factory in Cortland, New York. There, in 1905, Grace met a man by the name of Chester Gillette, the charming nephew of the factory owner. And at the time, Chester was thought to be quite the catch. He was very popular. And he set his sights on Grace, who quickly fell in love with him. For her, it meant so much. She was young, but she felt like she was in love. But for Chester, this was a very secret affair. He never took Grace out in public. He never even acknowledged the two were dating. They would only meet in private. In the meantime, Chester had a reputation of dating lots of other women, often from wealthier families, socialites in town. But Grace continued to see him, hoping things would eventually change. And eventually, Grace became pregnant. And at that time in history, unwed mothers were frowned upon. If you were pregnant as a single woman, it was considered publicly shameful. Many women were made to feel completely alone. And Grace begged Chester to marry her, thinking this would be the best way to handle the situation. If the two got married, they could avoid any public ridicule. And plus, Grace loved him, so this was the solution in her eyes. But Chester had different plans. One day in July 1906, Chester took Grace to the Adirondacks, out on a boat on Big Moose Lake. Grace assumed this would be their engagement trip, as apparently he had gone along with it and spoke of the two indeed getting married. That afternoon, Chester and Grace arrived at the docks, 
Grace excitedly climbed on board, and a man by the name of Robert Morrison rented out a rowboat to Grace and Chester, thinking they were just a sweet couple out for a romantic date. Robert hung around the docks and assumed the two would be back by dinner time, but they never came back. Robert was growing concerned, fearing the couple maybe got lost, were stranded out there, or had some kind of terrible accident. So the next morning, he organized a search party, and a group of men went out searching Big Moose Lake for the couple. And only a short time into their journey, the men made a gruesome discovery. They found the couple's rowboat was capsized, and not far from it, Grace's body floating deep in the lake. Seeing that Grace had drowned, they believed they would find Chester in the water as well. But he wasn't. They searched and searched, and it turns out they were looking in the wrong place. Chester was alive and quite well. Two days later, he was found at a nearby hotel. And at first, when questioned, Chester denied even knowing who Grace was. Robert told police that Chester had in fact taken Grace out that day and they confronted him with this. So then Chester changed his story and said, well, yes, he did know Grace and yes, they did go out on the boat that day. But actually, Grace jumped into the lake on her own accord because he had told her that he didn't love her anymore and she was just so distraught. No one believed this for a second and their suspicions were backed up by Grace herself. From Chester's rented room, authorities confiscated Grace's love letters to him as evidence. Chester was tried with Grace's murder and the case quickly grew attention nationwide. And those love letters were read out loud in the court during the trial in the fall of 1906. And in these letters, Grace begged for Chester to accept responsibility for the pregnancy. In her final letter, written July 5th, Grace hauntingly spoke of their future plans, specifically looking forward to her impending trip with Chester to Big Moose Lake, not knowing of his plans to murder her on the trip. Grace's autopsy revealed she had suffered major head trauma, and investigators believe that during that boat ride, Chester took Grace out far enough there would be no witnesses. Then, they believed he hit Grace over the head with either an oar or a tennis racket that she had packed in her bag, after which she is believed to have fallen out of the boat and drowned. Ultimately, Chester Gillette was convicted of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to death and died in the electric chair on March 30th, 1908. As I mentioned, this case became big news across America, and Hollywood later transformed the story into a hit film called A Place in the Sun. Shelley Winters played Grace's character, a poor woman who worked in a factory who was seduced and then murdered by her lover. Strangely though, in the movie, the character based on Grace is portrayed as this broken down woman, sort of annoying, nagging for marriage which by all accounts isn't accurate at all. Grace was said to be a very pleasant and beautiful woman. So that was sad, but hey, it's Hollywood. What can you expect? Eye roll. It also makes me sad that women were treated so badly in this time period, but that's a whole nother episode. In the end, although justice was served in this case, for some reason around the lodge, countless people say they have seen the restless spirit of a young woman wandering near Big Moose Lake and many believe it's the ghost of Grace. On Unsolved Mysteries, they interviewed some witnesses to the paranormal activity. One summer night in 1988, it was dark out and several Covewood employees were walking towards the lodge, one of them being Rhonda Busalot. She said she needed to stop inside one of the lodges, so she made her way inside. 
as three of her co-workers waited out front. And as soon as Rhonda entered the lodge alone, she said she was suddenly overcome with a sense that someone was inside with her, although she knew the place was empty. It was late, no one else was around. As Rhonda was inside, trying to figure out why she felt this way, outside, her three co-workers stood stunned and speechless as they watched an apparition of a young woman appear on the balcony of the lodge. The spirit hovered for a few seconds and then disappeared, clearly wanting to be seen. Rhonda came back out and they told her about what they had seen. And Rhonda was too stunned as she had told them that inside the lodge, she had felt a presence, a ghostly presence. After that, they were all convinced that they had seen the ghost of Grace. A few months after that, another woman named Linda Lee and her friend Bridget chose to take a trip to Big Moose Lake for a fun weekend getaway. But they said from the start, the women felt on edge there. They went there to kick back and relax, but something just felt off. One night, they took a stroll around Big Moose Lake, as many visitors do. And as they walked around the water's edge, they looked up and over the lake, they saw that same apparition of a ghostly woman hovering over the water. The women stood in shock as they watched the figure, again apparently wanting to be seen and noticed, linger for a few moments and then disappear, just as it had done with the lodge employees before. Amazingly enough, sightings of Grace's spirit have continued throughout the years. Many people believe that ghosts can use water as a conduit to interact with the living world. From lakes and oceans to rivers and streams, there have been countless cases of ghosts communicating with people near water. Theories suggest that by using the energy found within water, ghosts are able to create an environment where they can interact with the living world. With people, they can manifest. This is often why paranormal TV shows and movies depict water as being the source of ghostly activity. And even more interesting, many cultures have long believed that drowning victims become ghostly guardians who protect surrounding waters from evil forces. Ghostly guardians? That's incredible. But what do you think? Is this the ghost of Grace? A woman who was taken from this world too soon and is still attached to the lake because of unfinished business? Or, like many believe, has she remained tied to the lake to protect surrounding waters from evil? Wrongdoers, like Chester Gillette. I find this haunting especially interesting because in Grace's case, her murderer was caught. He was tried and sentenced to death. So in theory, she did receive justice. In many cases like this, if a spirit is lingering around, it's thought that they need closure. They have unfinished business. But in Grace's case, she technically got it, but she still haunts the waters. But maybe it's deeper than that. No pun intended. Maybe Grace does act as a ghostly guardian. And if that's true, that's amazing. This holiday season, if you want to hear, hey, where'd you get that? On repeat, Uncommon Goods is your secret weapon. Uncommon Goods is here to make your holiday shopping stress-free by scouring the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for a loved one or a secret Santa at work, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. I've had my eye on some of their gorgeous kitchenware as gifts for some of my loved ones this season. All their items are so unique, and when you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. 
These fine products are often made in small batches, so shop now before they sell out this holiday season. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the United States. They have the most meaningful, out-of-the-ordinary gifts anywhere. And they truly have something for everyone on your list, from art and jewelry to kitchen, home, and bar. Not the same lackluster gifts you could find just anywhere. And with every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give back $1 to a nonprofit of your choice. They've donated more than $2.5 million to date. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com Avery. That's uncommongoods.com Avery for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods, we're all out of the ordinary. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. For our next case, we're heading south. The Reed House Hotel in Chattanooga, Tennessee opened in 1872, and it is a southern icon. It's the longest continuously operating hotel in the Southeast. The hotel has withstood floods, the Civil War, epidemics, the Great Depression, major history. It has 241 rooms and it's really known for its 1920s style and charm. When you walk inside, you are transported back to the Roaring Twenties. And it seems one of the guests from that time period never left. In particular, there's something very different very strange about room 311. It's known as Annalisa Netherly's room. Her ghost is said to haunt it after what happened to her inside. Now, what actually went down is up for debate. There are two different accounts, both ultimately ending in the same way. One story says that Annalisa was a guest at the hotel. She checked in there with a boyfriend, a lover of sorts in 1927, but she took a fancy to another gentleman while at the hotel and this version says that shortly after, she was found nearly beheaded, murdered by her jealous lover in the bathtub of room 311. A very gruesome discovery for hotel employees who found her the next morning. You know what? I'll say it. There's something about a beheading that feels so middle-agey. Gives me the creeps. It feels so dark. Maybe that's why they call it the Dark Ages. Do you think? Am I on to something here? I think I might be. The second story is similar, but different. This account says that Annalisa and her lover actually lived at the hotel in the late 1920s, but one day he decided to take up with a few other women and Annalisa died in the hotel of a broken heart inside room 311. So either she was heartbroken over a lover or a lover was jealous of her and another lover. Either way, there was lovers and something horrific is thought to have happened to Annalisa. So much so that she supposedly never left. In the years since her death, a number of guests have reported strange activity in the room, including hearing noises, lights will flicker, water will turn on on its own, guests will see shadowy figures, cold spots, the feeling of being watched, and hauntingly, many guests say they've been woken up in the middle of the night to the feeling of someone touching them. But by far, one of the most common complaints in this room is that guests feel like they cannot fall asleep. 
And this goes beyond the usual uncomfort of not being in your own bed. Guests say they will lay in bed for hours in room 311 and cannot fall asleep. Like the energy of the room is restless, keeping them awake. Guests who stay in room 311 believe they have felt the presence of Annalisa, some even saying they have seen her. It's said that her ghost possesses a particular disdain for men. I mean, can you blame her? Look at how things ended for her. I can see being a little soured by men after an experience like that. And she especially doesn't seem to like men who smoke. Makes you think maybe her lover was a smoker? One guest had a particular haunting experience inside room 311. In the middle of the night, he woke up to the sound of something or someone gurgling in the bathroom. Gurgling. That would be really scary to wake up to. At first, he thought it was the toilet making a strange noise, but then he realized he was in the room alone. No one had used the toilet or flushed it. Given the history of what happened in that bathroom, it's believed that this was the ghost of Annalisa. Recently, during a hotel renovation, room 311 was restored to its original 1920 state. Straight from Annalisa Netherly's time. When you walk through that doorway, you are transported 100 years back. This renovation includes all 1920s decor, a vintage clawfoot tub, an old school radio, and also the manual lock on the door requires the use of a physical key, just like hotel guests would have had to use in 1927. Now, a really interesting account comes from a couple named Sheba and Trip Gorman, who stayed the night in room 311. The couple drove in from Atlanta, and when they checked in, they went in as non-believers, not thinking much in the paranormal. Ghosts weren't real for them. They thought it would just be funny to book a stay in the supposed haunted room at the hotel. And they were actually the first guests to stay there after it was restored to its 1920s glory. They were just going for a good time, for a laugh, for a chuckle. But by the end of their stay, they weren't laughing. Sheba said as soon as they checked in and got into room 311, upon their first few minutes in the room, she did notice it felt sad inside there. A heaviness that is common with haunted places, the powerful energetic feeling. And not long into their stay, she said she started to notice things moving out of the corner of her eye. She questioned what she was seeing, but it wasn't until they turned the lights off for the evening that things got real. They said it was a sleepless night, and they began to hear the strange sounds. Voices, the sound of scratching. And like so many other guests, they felt touched in the middle of the night. Sheba said it felt like someone was pulling on her wrist and arm. And in the middle of the night, in the pitch black room, they felt something or someone push, shove up against their bed. And get this, Tripp also said that at one point during their stay, the couple left the room, and when they returned 10 minutes later, all the drawers in the room were pulled out. They walked in to find all of them wide open. Trip turned to Sheba and asked her, wait a second, are you messing with me? And Sheba turned to look at him like, no, I thought you were messing with me. The two were thoroughly spooked. Like I said, by checkout, they weren't laughing. And after their stay in room 311, they said they are now believers in the paranormal. One hotel employee said that before working there, he never believed in ghosts either, but there have been so many things that have happened in room 311 that he just can't explain. Things that have left him wondering. 
And it gets crazier. Another notable guest of Room 311 is the famous gangster Al Capone. It's said that he stayed in the room during his federal trial. Story goes, although Al Capone never said he had a run-in with the ghostly Annalisa, security bars were placed on the window of Room 311 to ensure that Capone could not escape the feds. Al Capone in Haunted Room 311? It's a small world, isn't it? For many, they say the hotel itself seems like a gateway to the other side. Many have claimed to have seen ghostly soldiers roaming around the halls of the hotel's fourth floor. And it's assumed that these figures are residual energy left over from the soldiers who spent their final moments at the hotel when it operated as a Civil War hospital. So if you check in here, there is no telling who or what spirit you may run into. This hotel is on the top of my must-visit list. I've just been waiting for a time that I'm in the Chattanooga area. Because aside from the ghosts, people who have stayed here say it's a really unique experience. Historically, you can feel that energy. We'll be right back. You're back with Avery After Dark. For our final story, we're talking about a town. Strange and mysterious stories about Carryville, Wisconsin have circulated for years. It's said the village was cursed and visitors who have traveled through have seen things they wish they hadn't. What's going on in Carryville? We're gonna get to the bottom of the spookiness. Carryville is an unincorporated community located in Dunn County, Wisconsin. It sits on the south shore of the Chippewa River alongside State Highway 85. Founded in the mid 19th century, Carryville had a train station, a post office, and a Pony Express by 1895. One of the most famous spots in town is the abandoned schoolhouse that has sat empty since it closed in 1961. Local legend says it's haunted, very haunted. Years and years back, when it was used as a school, story goes a student died inside after staying in there after everyone left for the day. The temps got so low it was said that he froze at his desk, teachers finding him deceased when they got to class the next day. The spirit of the schoolboy supposedly still lingers inside the abandoned schoolhouse. And if you go and sit at his desk, they say you can feel his presence pass through you. On numerous occasions, passerbys have said they've seen glowing red eyes peering out of the windows of the schoolhouse. There's also reportedly a darker, demonic presence that has been seen and felt at the schoolhouse and around Carryville in general. But right across from the creepy little schoolhouse is the even creepier Carryville Church. This church is the second one to stand in the location, and the priest who built the first church is said to have gone mad. And when plans were made to demolish it, in protest, he walked up to the belfry, locked the door, and ended his life via hanging. In the years since, people say they have seen the silhouette of the priest inside the windows of the church. And last but not least, we have the Carryville Cemetery because of course the haunted town has a haunted cemetery. Of course. There are many scary stories out of this cemetery. Woods and cornfields surround it and the graves of the wicked are said to be off in the woods away from the consecrated ground, buried in a secret unknown location. Many have said they have seen ghosts of children playing in the cemetery and on some occasions, some have said the children have approached them and attempted to talk to them. 
A spirit that will try to speak to the living is known as an interactive personality. The most common of all ghosts, these spirits can become visible, they can speak or make noises, touch you, or even emit an odor like perfume or cigar smoke. This is all to let you know they are there and they want to be noticed. On a more sinister side, that dark demonic figure is well known in the cemetery as well. People who have regrettably taken Ouija boards into the cemetery and play around with them say they go crazy inside. After midnight in the graveyard, people will hear these terrifying growling sounds. People don't know what the sounds are or where they're coming from, but they don't sound like any pack of loose dogs. They say it sounds demonic. Why the town was cursed or who put the curse on it is unknown. But the paranormal activity here is pretty undeniable, and the town has had a lot of issues with vandalism, so all these areas and buildings are heavily patrolled. Carryville does remind me a bit of Dudley Town, Connecticut. Very mysterious, very strange, and those who visit say the heavy feeling there is palpable. There's something extra creepy about an entire haunted cursed town. Majorly spooky. Be sure to let me know what haunted spots you want to see next on the podcast. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Next episode, I have even more goosebumps coming your way. Until then, I'm Avery Ross, and this is Avery After Dark.